Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. On the show today, I talk with fertility and conscious conception coach Elizabeth Manning. Elizabeth teaches people how to live a more fertile life through self-exploration and loving what is. She speaks of fertility being a journey of the soul, a sacred path to be honored and leaned into. Elizabeth shares her wisdom and reminds us to look at our childhood wounds and learn how to heal ourselves so that we can call in our children in the highest vibration possible. Having a parent who had you when she was 19, when she was 19, and she was very mentally unstable. She was running from her parents' control. She was being a rebel. She ran away from home. She had me. Um, But I have this imprint in my life where I became the absolute center of my mom's universe while she was sitting in the kitchen smoking cigarettes, drinking beer with her feet up, watching TV. And that was my life. And I was watching this woman tell me I was the, I was the source of her happiness. And I'm thinking, fuck that. Go be happy yourself. Give yourself a life. Don't rely on me for your life. And so I remember thinking, I am not going to be like that, you know? And so this lodged something in me where I thought, wait a minute, what if parents had this for themselves? What if they birthed themselves first? My mom never did that. Mm -hmm. And she relied on me to give her all the light that she could live on. And and that's a terrible burden to put on a child. Children need to be so common, right? Very common. um, Very common. And I don't get to talk to parents that have been through that. I'm not here to point any fingers. I'm just here to say, let's start with where we're at. If you're struggling with fertility, this is the door. You're suffering, you're hurting. Let's transfer that hurt because you're counting on the child to make you happy already. Let's let's bring that into yourself. Let's birth yourself. Let's bring the light into where you're you you're counting on a child to and so that's where I go with the exercises. A lot of the exercises are it's not a baby that's going to make you happy. If you're stressed right now, you're going to be stressed when you have a baby. It's going to be 10 times worse. So don't think that that's the, the source of your joy. When yeah, like, like what if we actually looked at it as your child is going to bring up all of your shit and make you do the exactly hardest right. work of your life? It's exactly, you, you still exactly. want to? <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the reality of it. Of and so where I go is let's parent yourself. Mm-hmm. Figure out where your inner child is still wounded. Because they have a psychological term for it in in um, the, the realm of psychology, they call it um, age reciprocal resonance. Where if you have unresolved childhood issues, guess what? Yeah. When you have a child, and that child is the same age as when you were stuck 
or you got wounded, you have to deal with it. You're going to have to face it again through your child. Mm -hmm. But better to do it now because if it's an energetic block, you know, and we have to, it's our, it's our work to figure out what our blocks are and if there are any. And sometimes blocks are just simply the belief that we have blocks. Sometimes that's a block. Totally. So we get to decide what our blocks are. No one can tell you but you. And that helps direct the personal power thing back to trusting your own instincts, listening to your body, coming back into alignment with what it is that your soul is saying truth-wise, which helps tie into the whole, what do I need for my birth? We ha- I have them look at ahead across the finish line after they get pregnant into the pregnancy to, to look ahead and feel into how you're going to be with it, how you're going to prepare for the birth, how to send basically intention forward to what the birth's going to look like, what's your ideal, and just get them prepared, get them talking about it now so that they're not overwhelmed with what to do, running to the hospital, listening to the doctors, giving their power away. It's all connected. It We're is. just planting the seed ahead of time. Totally. And it, you know, and it starts even before the baby desires, you know, I see it, you know, with, with women of seeking a partner that's going to fulfill this void, you know, and seeking, you know, like when, when it's a total cycle, like when it's, when doesn't it start where something outside of myself is going to make me happy? Oh, it's not really happening in this relationship, but a baby totally would. I mean, it's, it's, it's this Mm -hmm. total cyclical, like it really comes down to, do you want to have a conscious life? And what does it mean to have a conscious life? And if you don't have tools to have a conscious life, you know, it's going to require, an amount of seeking and curiosity and vulnerability and self-reflection and looking for tools you've never had and a total death of your old identity again and again and again and again and again that, you know, if, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. It's like such a variety and there's no one or right way to do this, but people Mm -hmm. act like a baby's like this object that they get, you know, and, and that it's like this destination that is somehow going to do something with, with also society, you know, it gives them status. It gives them a place. It gives them a purpose. Like mm-hmm. it's this whole, you know, bullshit structure. That's no one's really talking about, or not enough people are really talking about the actual journey and the actual work. And yeah, what does it mean to be a conscious, you know, wife or what does it mean to be a conscious human? Yep. What does it mean yep. to be a conscious consumer? What does it mean to be a, you know, conscious parent? And there, again, there's no one way, but it's like even just asking yourself that, like in the birth world, you know, exactly what you said. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something we talk about or I talk about a lot with the women I've worked with and, and the fathers of wherever your kid's at, if you have trauma there, it will be brought up, you know. So if your mm-hmm. parents got divorced at seven and you felt neglected at seven and eight, it's going to, it might be challenging to parent a seven or eight year old, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and therefore, because, people who are having children now often are coming out of that, the cry it out methods, you know, in the seventies mm-hmm. and eighties, um, there's so much implicit memory that they don't even know about in their bodies around what it felt like to be put in a room by themselves. Abandonment. Literally, it's abandonment. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah. not having their needs met and crying and throwing up themselves to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and sleeping from exhaustion, not from, you know, wellness. And so it's, it's just like a whirlwind when these people have their babies and it's just like, 
confusing, you know, and I, and I feel yeah. for them. I mean, I can only imagine how confusing that must be because no, nowhere were you trained as a woman by your own mother or, or society to follow your maternal wisdom. That's right. You know, it's like so obvious once you can locate it, you know, but it's like this thick wall. Yeah. That right. is. And that's why it's so important to have this conversation about what is healthy mothering? You know, how do we, if I had an ideal mother, like the, the, the visions or the visualizations that I, I love to teach and I love to talk about, it's like, what is the picture of ideal mother? Because when we think I have, I can't tell you how many clients I've had that have gotten pregnant after they work through their mother issues because they're holding back. They're like, Oh, I can't have a girl. You know, they're just mm-hmm. completely stuck with, I don't want to turn into my mother. I don't, you know, it's bringing up all my mother stuff. Totally. So we go head on into it. We don't, you know, the, anything we avoid, we have to turn around and look at. So we look at that stuff that's making us go, ah, you know, and it's not easy to do, which is why we need other women around us. When I asked if I was supposed to have kids in this life, I got, I had a reading by a, a very intuitive psychic, you could call her psychic. I don't like that word very much, but intuitive woman who looked at me and said, you have a lot of spirit babies around you, like a lot. And she said, but I, and I see you being a teacher and my mind, right. Made up the story of projecting the vision of, I'm not going to be a teacher. Like I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I never wanted to be a teacher, but that's where I went. What I do now is I teach and I work yeah. with spirit babies, but my, the voice, the guide that, that spoke to me, now I'm in touch with my own spirit guide, but the spirit guide that spoke to me said, you're not here to learn that lesson in this lifetime. You're not here to learn mothering, but you're here to mother all children and just offer the, the frequency or whatever it is that I'm here to do. It's just how do we stabilize trauma and drama and come to the truth of what divine mothering or true mothering or, you know, just that essence of mothering. What's that really about without all this other junk mucking it up? How do we get back to that pure essence of it and trust that and, and really learn to mother ourselves first? And this undoes a lot of what we were taught. Totally. And it opens new doors and it opens doors to healthy birthing and just mindful I love what you said about conscious living. That's really what this truly is. It's it's fertility in all areas of our life. When we understand and look at what is fertility, it's not about babies. It, it, we go there with our mind, but it, that's actually not what it's about. It's about the potential of life to grow into what it needs to be. It's about the process of a seed into its potential Mm -hmm. and a seed untapped has a lot of potential, but until we put it in the right environment, it's not going to thrive. So we have to look at all areas of our life. I don't teach about babies. I don't teach about mothering children and parenting because that's not what I do. I'm not a parent myself. I can't claim that. But what I claim is how do we mother ourselves and bring ourselves back to letting go of the wounds that we blame our parents for, whatever it is that we're not taking responsibility for, come back to our own inner light and intuition is a natural part of that. It it comes in when we start honoring what is true for us. And that is a process. It's a journey. Totally. This is is a complete journey of the soul. 
Absolutely. It takes so much courage. I guess the very first step that someone needs to have is curiosity, right? Because within that curiosity instantly carries some level of vulnerability, you know, like the, the willingness to be curious. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to have the roadmap yet, but just the willingness to be curious and to, that just immediately gets you a little loose, mm-hmm. you know, and if you can be there, then something might be able to start to wiggle out. <laughs> well, what you're doing right now is you're feeling into it. And that's where I go. I, you're feeling into what's the source of where I begin and how do I open that door? And you're feeling energetically something's twisting, untwisting, mm-hmm. actually clearing, opening, expanding in you just by asking the question, what is going to help me? And curiosity goes with willingness, doesn't it? Totally. You're, you're right on the, the money there. These are awesome questions. And I, it makes me, you know, there are different levels of truth. And at the highest level, when I get, get into that neutral space of moving out of whatever trigger I'm in, um, I can get to see that, you know, people make choices based on whatever they need and whatever their lessons need to be. And, you know, it, at the level of neutrality, um, it's really hard to watch people make decisions that are not aligned for their highest good. But at the end of the day, who am I to say exactly. yeah. what their real lesson is to be and, mm-hmm. and through it, right? We have to go through whatever it is we're supposed to go through to learn and come through the other side, hopefully for the wiser. And like you said earlier, you know, many of us ping pong through detours getting to the truth, right? We, we create trauma and drama all over the place and it's messy. And it's like, it's literally ping ponging us to our next level. But what if we just could have a straight shot? And I tend to see and be able to do that pretty well. I can go to the straight shot and I don't have to create a bunch of detours along the way to learn lessons, but other people can and do. And I've learned to not to kind of get out of the way of that and just let them have their experience. But it's really helped me grow because I get to have my reality. And if somebody wants to be a part of that reality, I'm happy to share and spend time really speaking from as much to the best of my ability to the top from the top of that triangle of Maslow's hierarchy. But if I'm speaking from a triggered place, I'm in the problem still. And I have to work myself out of that to get back up. I have to be with it, right? And understand myself, why am I triggered right now? And asking those questions help us, that curiosity, that willingness, it takes us on that upward spiral back to the place of neutrality and truth. Totally. And and that but, totally ties back to, yeah. to our, we might have not been recording when we were talking about this, but about, you know, doing policy work potentially or, um, yeah. you know, working within the system. And that's where I have, where I keep coming back to, like, I would rather do work with people who are already curious and who are already interested right. in who are already interested <laughs> in real sustainable, mm-hmm. you know, change and conscious growth and trying to like go into the system deeper. It's just, I mean, more power to anybody who has the oh. capacity and bandwidth to do that. Um, but, but, you know, exactly like what you were just saying. I mean, the people that I, that I work with who are ready and willing, I can assist in that straight shot. 
yeah. if, they're, if they're ready and willing. That's why I do the work I do because it, that's, I get triggered around stuff like that too. But I, I'm like, for the people that are on the front lines, like you, like Karen Strange, like Ina May, it's like people who are already working in the front lines where there's already belief systems really strongly yeah. in place. I want to get to the place at the source where they can actually come down a little bit. The belief systems, the boxes we put ourselves in to create the reality that we do, that is dangerous. And, and when we, that's why coming back, finding our true feminine and finding our power and finding our voice. These are things that we were taught out of us when we were little kids. You know, we have to find our way back to it. Birth is going to be one of those places. If we're traumatized, that's one way to trigger something and wake us up. But why do we need to put ourselves through that? If we're already awake, we don't have to go through that kind of trauma. Exactly. It's, and it, and it's like, why put yourself in a, exactly what you just said. Birth is an opportunity to either keep shedding and keep growing and keep, you know, rebirthing your own identity or go back to these cycles of abuse that we've been socialized to be used to. Yeah. 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 And there's belief systems are one that's really up for me right now because it, it's the biggest block to people's, um, success, success stories, beliefs. And yet we don't, it's really one of those things that are triggering people. Like if I challenge someone on their belief, Oh, be careful because it, like you said, it's like, don't you dare take this from me. And how do we learn how to be safe inside allowing someone's reality, um, while opening to another reality? And how do I invite the melting of of a belief or helping someone see a belief that isn't working for them, but yet it's been in place for so long, they don't even question it. Are you familiar with Byron Katie's work? Yes. Oh, I, I mean, love her. she's her work yes. to me is like the answer to, to yes. that question, you know, yes. cause it's, it's the most simplistic mm-hmm. and helpful. And, and thankfully I was exposed to her when I was pretty young. I think I was like 19 or 20 and yeah, you know, for anybody listening, I highly recommend her book, a thousand names for joy. Um, and, and just her approach is so simplistic, you know, but to actually ask yourself, you know, to identify the, the thought that's causing you suffering and to actually ask, is it true? And can you absolutely know if it's true? And what would it be like if you, you know, could, didn't have that thought, could experience, you know, life without that thought and almost always the answer is free. You know, Mm -hmm. I would feel free. Um, I mean, for me, that's the answer. I don't know. And light and light, light. light and free. Um, so that, that has been, you know, for my personal experience, like that, that is how I've been able to get to this next level of, of internal freedom because I, my belief systems are constantly getting looked at and reworked because I don't think any of my thoughts really are true, <laughs> yeah. you know? And if I, yeah. and, and it's like a game, you know, mm-hmm. and like if I get stuck in that and it's playful, mm-hmm. you know, and thankfully mm-hmm. my, my partner and my friends and I all use that same language so it can be even more playful. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think if you're not willing to, to look at the possibility <laughs> that what you're thinking isn't even true, 
that you're not going to have nearly as much fun with it. But I, I do want to pivot a little bit to your work and get a little deeper into that as well, unless you, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I just, I love what we're talking about. So it's, I know, we're talking about it forever. doesn't matter to me. Yeah, We can exactly. do whatever. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, I just, I want to get a little bit of a better handle on what it is that you offer into the world is your, I mean, I looked at your website and it's, it's awesome. And what I'm gathering is that you work with pretty much anybody who's interested in, in feeling fertility of life, you know, in their creative endeavors or whatever, but, yeah. but you, do you focus largely on people who want to conceive? I do just because it's a passion for me. I feel like these kids that are coming through right now are a, a very high level of consciousness. Um, some, some people are calling them rainbow children. I don't like labels, so I'm not saying anything about labels, but I have been kind of intuitively calling them new children. They're kind of a new level of consciousness and they come in knowing themselves very well, very well. They're very clear. They'll look you right in the eye as infants. They, they're, it's just very different behaviors going on with kids that are this aware and they need parents to raise in consciousness and vibration, if you want to call it that to match and be the opening, the portal, since women are the portal literally for bringing a soul, bringing the formless into form. And they're the vessel for that. They're the portal. So the vibration that we hold is very precious and very important. And to pure, keep that vessel pure as possible in thought, word, and deed, and nutrition, and all of that, it becomes this right, like I said earlier about birth being a rite of passage. Fertility is a rite of passage too. And I'm really just really care. I care for the future of humanity. And I, I see that they're here to sort of clean up our mess of being unconscious. And we don't need to keep perpetuating, populating this planet any more than we need to with, you know, it's just, it's a way for me to contribute in, into the future. Yet I work with all souls who want to birth. Basically now lately it's been coming to birthing the light, you know, being the, identifying the ocean that we actually are, um, in our drop. We carry the ocean within our drop. We're not just a drop. We have the ocean within us. And to identify and birth from that place, from that awareness, changes everything. You know, it helps us calm our triggers. It helps us see what is ours and what is not ours. It helps us make ourselves a priority and keep our well-being uh, at the forefront rather than at the end. Because if we're raising a family or creating anything, we tend to put self-care on the back burner and that's, that's got to change. Um, it doesn't got to change, but you know, that, that would be me. Saying, it would be ideal, <laughs> but it would be, well, it would be very helpful. <laughs> and so much of what you're speaking to, I think does come back to, um, choosing responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, and that's where, you know, it ties into, to me, what autonomous birthing can look like and, um, conscious conception and, yes. you know, a, a healthy pregnancy and all of these things is, is the, again, courage and tools and willingness to choose responsibility and what does that look like? And in a, in a default, you know, medical model that asks you to take no responsibility, you right. know, where nutrition is not discussed, where, 
no one even talks about tracking your cycle. And so you could totally be missing your fertile window every freaking month for a year. Mm -hmm. And then you're labeled infertile. And so you do IVF in the whole cycle. Um, you know, there's no, there's no point in our default system that talks about responsibility that I can find. Um, not in, not in pregnancy, not in birth, not in postpartum. And then at some point it's like, oh, you're just supposed to be an amazing connective parent. It's like, what? I didn't even, you know, how many moms say they're going to let me go home with the baby because they're terrified because nobody, she's never taken any responsibility to get into this next level, you know, yeah. of what that, what that can look like, you know, and, and so to conscious conception specifically, you know, I, I bring this topic up a lot because it's something that has fascinated me pretty much since I found out about sex and babies when I was mm -hmm. very young. And thankfully my father was very you know, we didn't have taboos in our family. So that's a whole nother topic, but I get to, you know, be proof of what happens, all of my siblings, what happens in a family where there weren't sexual ta taboos or drug taboos or body taboos. And so, um, what birthed out of that was actual communication and, Therefore, you know, this is a whole nother topic, but we made like healthy decisions, <laughs> you know, and none of us like d went too hard into drugs or made bad sexual decisions and, you know, or eating disorders or any of the self-hating, you know, stuff that comes out of, you know, oppressive tabooed yeah. families. Well, let, let me, let me just add to this. Yeah. It is not another topic. If you think about fertility, it's about life. Fertility is about life. So you're just talking about connecting the dots to life and what makes life thrive. And anything related to that is definitely on the table. True. So just, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, so I remember being like in seventh grade, I think, talking to my friends about conscious conception. And I don't even know, maybe my dad had told me that term. I don't even know why I knew that term. But um, I remember being like, wouldn't it, wow. isn't it just going to be so romantic when, you know, you make love with your, with your partner. I remember where I was <laughs> when I said this and they were looking at me like I had seven heads and I was just like, whatever, you guys don't even know. Like, I know that this is going to be cool. And I've always carried that thought, you know, and it has thankfully led me to take sex more seriously, to take relationships more seriously, to leave relationships, you know, more seriously. When mm -hmm. I, when it, you know, when it revealed itself, you know, to, to be right. So anyway, point being that I bring up this topic a lot to adult women and it is something that many people have never considered, you know, to, that they could be aware versus unplanned. And, you know, I, I don't know the statistics. I don't know. I've never seen a study on this, but it does seem like most people, the majority of people is a, oh, whoops. Okay. Let's get on board you know, yeah. and that's fine. If that's how you want to do it, that's fine. You know, and I can't blame anybody because most people, most women are not taught how to track their cycles. Most people don't know when they're ovulating, right. you know, birth control, you know, we're taught to be dependent on and that can fail. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many mm -hmm. things. Um, anyway. I mean, I so wish that there was a class like this taught in colleges, Duh. all across oh my the nation, gosh. birthing preparation, you know, family, fertility like, awareness, awareness method. fertility awareness, body awareness, body love. It's like freaking uh, epidemic right now. It about really is. I mean, how many, how many, and it's all connected. Like how many, you know, women go see a gyno and they're more comfortable with a strangers putting their fingers in their vagina than the, than their own. Yeah. You know, I've told women yeah. they can check themselves in labor and they act like I'm insane and that that's disgusting. You know, uh -huh. and it's like, what? So someone you've never met 
it, that's cooler with you than that? Okay. Well, and then well, that's just a sign about where they're at with totally. not being able to be in their power and in and be in their bodies and understand well, it and 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 just be welcoming of that. And that's so so important. Thank you for reminding me of that because I actually don't talk about that. So that'll help me. But you know, this menses when people loathe every time they're they have their period. I say we got to change that because you want to be thankful that you're bleeding. Because if you weren't bleeding, you know, you would not be able to. It is wellness. It is life. It's a sign of wellness. And it's a sign of shedding what Mm -hmm. your body does not need to get ready for what it can hold. I think a lot, we're coming out of these generations where, you know, being a hippie, like these labels of, that have been very shit on right? That actually are highlighting these movements of consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a piece of it too, because Mm -hmm. I I think that people get this like idea, not everybody, but I've definitely worked with families that to like learn about your body and track and, you know, track your cycle or call in your baby or consider that they have a spirit is, is hippie and they're lawyers and they're very, you know, one side Uh of their brain. And and it, and it Mm -hmm. is this like disassociation with, um, the possibility to feel more powerful. It goes deeper than that, Emily. If, if, if I really were to have a serious conversation about the cycle of birth and death and reincarnation and past lives, I can't tell you how many people, when I've told them they were, you know, burned at the stake, called witches for being in their truth, for knowing what they knew in this life, we put the veil around us, walk around unconscious because it's safer to do that than know the truth. Because they were, they were, they remember, there's a piece of them that remembers. If I stand up and shine and show what I know, I'm going to be burned at the stake. And so it gets really deep. Like these are, this is a great, you know, healing opportunity for people to look at and go, wow, you know, this really is going deeper than what I thought. And it's like opening the door to say, well, what, what if, what if I could tell myself in this life that I, you know, that was then this is now, and it's time to shine and know what I know, teach what I know and step into this. And then the labels start to come down, right? The, the hippies, we judge what we don't understand. Yeah. What feels threatening. Yeah. And threatening to our paradigm and Mm -hmm. our beliefs, which is another way or another reason why we need to challenge what we believe. Yeah. I mean, it would require so many steps of, I mean, to me, that's obvious. And that seems like that's been made very clear to me, the stuff that you were just saying. And, you know, and actually I had a, when I was in my early twenties, I was in my first midwifery training and I had a profound, profound experience just crying in a visual, visualized meditation, Mm -hmm. guided meditation thing that she led us in. And I started crying and she looked at me and she said, what's going on? And I said, I'm not going to get killed this time. Good for you. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get killed this time. And everybody knew because I'm in a room full of witches. They're all like midwives in training and these elder midwives. And, you know, everyone was like laughing, you know, but also feeling that. And, and it's, you know, that's, yeah, that's something I spend a lot of time thinking about that I'm 
you know, and even, even how it's incarnated in this life in smaller ways, like being put in Catholic school and, you know, being in trouble all the time for asking questions about what didn't make sense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the kids literally turning on me and they would stone me at the end of the day and they would Uh throw rocks at me, like literally throw rocks. And I would ride my bike as quick as I could, um, you know, being stoned, like these crazy things that now well, you're reliving the karma. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But in this like safe container of being, you know, you're clearing, you're clearing the yeah. karmas. Actually, you're, you're done. You're well, done dying some... where there's light. There's right. going to be a lot of dark exactly. trying to dampen it and stamp it out. And the brighter you get, the more fierce it will be. But there, it, there's another side to that. The light is your protection. Mm-hmm. And you are safe and you're protected. And that's um, the, the belief that we hold, right? That, um, you know what? I'm not going to die in this life. And you know what else? I mean, I'm definitely going to die. It doesn't, well. You, <laughs> but I don't you know think I'll I mean. be Sorry. murdered. Re- referring back to the. the I'm the, fine with dying. <laughs> but that's that's the other side of it. Yeah. It's like, you know what? The, the, meaning I'm not going to get burned at the stake or die on the cross. It's like, wait a minute. But what I stand for is that important. So I am willing Mm -hmm. to die on the cross. I'm willing to burn if I have to, because I'm not going to let that stamp out my light. I'm not going to let that make me hide. And for you to do that, you're paving the way for other women to do that as well. And it's, it's going to blossom into something, but I love how humble you are to show up for the voice that wants to be spoken through you. And it's not really you directing it. You're yeah, just it, it's interesting because I, I think that I've gotten a lot of negative, uh, I don't know the right word, opinions or something around my anger. And I'm like, no, it's okay to be an angry woman. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not bitter. Okay. I'm not, yeah, I don't feel bitter at all. I'm actually like a very happy, grateful, mm-hmm. you know, loving person, but I'm really angry And that doesn't need to be everybody's journey. A part of me does kind of feel like if you're not angry, like you might not be paying attention a little bit. I (laughs) would say you're channeling your anger very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not debilitating and, and it's, it's something that really genuinely fuels me, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I, I am fine with that. And I've, I've always been, um, feisty and fiery and, and all of that, but you know, you don't see the stuff that I've seen. I mean, I guess some people do. I don't understand it, but you know, I at the, the the life that I have led and the way that I have walked with women and the way that I have seen them be brutalized and um, hurt, you know, it it just doesn't. I don't know what other option there is, you know, to, but to let it fuel me and to you know have a voice as best as I can because I am safe, you know, and because I I do feel protected and um, I do feel like I'm willing to talk about this whole thing that's such a big deal that's affecting all of our generations. Oh, that's what I wanted to go back to. When you were talking about how the babies coming in are these bright, um, you know, these bright, very aware babies, one of the pieces to that that I think a lot about is they're also on less drugs. They are still often on tons of drugs. You know, there's fentanyl and and whatever in, in the epidurals that almost everybody gets. But, you know, our grandma's generation were knocked out on ether, you know, and the babies were being born almost dead, right? Getting pulled out with forceps. And so like that, there's an yeah, element. There's, less truck. there's a relationship for sure. There's a relationship. And, for and sure. in that um, uh, unassisted birth by Laura Shanley, she just was talking about in the last chapter about how um, they did the study and 
I think it was Oxford, where they were connecting um, babies who were born on drugs to, and I mean labor drugs. I don't mean to a crack mom, you know, actually Mm -hmm. like born under the influence of drugs at the hospital, that they had a higher incidence of having drug addiction later in life. Um, And so she was making this, I thought, really profound argument that I'd never thought about of, you know, the imprinting that does occur, that has been proven, that it really truly does occur, not only in utero, but in the beginning of life, that um, when when a woman basically teaches her child, Mm -hmm. I go into stress and so I Mm -hmm. take drugs or we take drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, then, then that becomes an imprint. This is how it is in the world. This is how we live. That's exactly, you're, you're, you're teaching your child that, that basically the imprint is, this is, this is how life is just, you know, I'm just teaching you what I know. And what, and, and to pull it back a bit, because I don't, you know, I don't mean to judge anybody who's doing it because I understand the system that is literally set up for you to do that. You know, women are expected to numb their sensations and are expected to behave. It's the way you know, of it's, life it's in the, the medical system that yeah. women are choosing. You know, yeah. when women yeah. feel across the board, it seems very disempowered and like they don't have choices, which is what they're taught. And da 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 da. You know, the cycle goes on. You're right about that whole. It's it's really 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 tender. The top of drugs and in hospitals. And when you've already gotten to that level where you've given your power away to a doctor and you trust that they, this is what they say there that needs to happen by then it's like the train's already taken off. You're, you're just got to flow with it, but it can be, it's not the end of the world, right? It's like you, that's a moment of awakening right there. And let that be an opportunity for you to open to being your own advocate from that point forward and learning that you don't have to, well, and here's another, it opens up a whole nother can of worms about vaccinations and advocacies and the rights that we're fighting for out there with vaccinations and how they caused terrible health issues with the kids, ADD, ADHD, autism. They're finding the research behind that through, you know, if you haven't watched it, watch the movie Vaxxed. It's like, there's a connection to that too. And, and, it's like we're trapped now because policy is making parents do it. And it's like you can't even, I, I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but you can't even claim religious beliefs anymore. You're forced if you're in a you know public school system, even otherwise. But like they have all the evidence that this is causing so many problems. And this goes crazy. This goes back to like this assumption that our political system and our medical system have our best interest at hand. And I don't think that I see no proof of that. Um, you know, but, but you have to be willing to figure out what that means for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you do. And yeah. And really what does do. it mean to advocate for yourself? And what does it even mean to trust a system? You know, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother, and it does come back to responsibility. You know, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to be a leader? And if so, it requires more work and it requires thinking outside the box. And if you don't want to be a leader and if you just want to kind of blame somebody else when something goes wrong, like here's this wonderful system set up for that. <laughs> You know, (laughs) I can point you in the right direction, you know, and that's not to say like, I have seen wonderful hospital births. Truly. I have seen, I have seen births in the medical model that for those families were wonderful and were, I mean, you can't have an undisturbed birth in a hospital, but you can certainly have uh, minimized and, and, 
you know, respectful. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of this one birth that was mm-hmm. really lovely and it was the right nurse and the right midwife and the right timing. And we showed up at nine centimeters and the, um, attending OB happened to be on break. Like it was the perfect storm of mm-hmm. the right puzzle pieces. And it was the most on the scale for hospital, the most undisturbed um, birth in the hospital that I've ever seen be possible. Lights were off. She only had one exam, no monitoring after the initial 20 minute strip. I mean, it was, you know, birthed on a birth stool, um, into the partner's hands, like pretty, pretty cool for pretty, that is not a common story for a hospital Mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. So my issue is if you're cool with rolling that dice, because there's no way we could have guaranteed that it was going to be that nurse and that midwife and that break that the doctor was on. And you know, that perfect storm, there's no way to control that. And so people being willing to roll that dice, well, they have to know what the dice even is. And that's mm-hmm. the piece that nobody's mm-hmm. talking about. You know, they mm-hmm. assume their doctor will be there. They assume their doctor will do what they say, which is crazy. At what point did you come in running the OB meeting? At what point did you decide you were going to do your labs that week? Like, that's not how it works. And so the, the like, accidental bait and switch because of this default trust that's not explored that happens in the actual labor room is mind boggling. It's just crazy, but it's like this recipe that you just know is going to unfold anyway. Well, I, I, I think this is a very whole nother topic, but I, I work, I have worked in the past with doulas in holding how to hold space, sacred space for birth and there's a level of tools in, in that you can, people can put in their toolbox to, to create an, a clear intention. And it's not that everything's going to go perfectly necessarily, but it gets you ready to hold a space and opens you up with your awareness and your energetic. But you can learn how to ground a room and totally. hold a bubble around and just set your intention that everybody's totally. aligning. But you're out of, yeah, you you're, can't control, yeah, you can't control any of it. And, and, you know, I think doulas have a very hard time figuring out how to help the parents have an accurate description and act and manage expectations in the hospital in a non-scary way, because it's hard. It's hard to teach like, Hey, informed consent's not practiced. Stuff just happens to you. If you're white and young and have no health factors and are already used to speaking up and you're comfortable saying no, you might have a good experience. You know, like, I mean, come on. Like that's, that's a very tricky thing to get your head around. But anyway, we're totally getting off topic. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it actually goes, and I'll tie it back because we're, you know, talking about conscious conception and fertility. I have the same experiences with IVF doctors. I have the same experience with um, OBGYNs who say, you know, you're, you're old, you just go straight to IVF. It yeah, drives money, me money, crazy, money. drives me absolutely insane. And, and they're telling kids, you know, in a, age 30, oh, you've tried for a year, you should do IVF. I'm just like, no, guys, let's, let's back off here and talk about, let's educate the doctors. And so my, my thing now is to speak to the doctor through people and say, you, you know, we're responsible for educating our doctors we are responsible for opening ourselves up to a higher level of awareness than they do because they weren't trained. They're only trained to deal with the body and they're not and, trained. And pathology. <laughs> pathology. That's true. And fertility is not a freaking disease. To me, the way I approach fertility is from an alignment standpoint, if we're 
basically connecting with and rooting ourselves back to nature's way, we have a better chance of conception. You know, nature has its own language Mm -hmm. and we have lost great, we have lost connection greatly with nature. You don't even know what your cycle means and what's happening and, and how to identify and, and navigate that. How can you be expected? I mean, that's like the, that's that's the foundation. And who has that? Who was taught that? You know, I mean, women are being labeled infertile and have never even heard the term cervical fluid. You know, I mean, they don't even know what their, where their cervix is. They don't even know they can touch it. They don't even know that their temperature changes, you know? So, and then they're labeled infertile. Like, yeah, people are talking about this rise of infertility. Okay, I'd like to actually see real statistics when everyone's tracking and understands their reproductive organs. I know. Me I'm too. curious if we would still be seeing a rise. I know. Me too. Well, and not it, there's still there's also this incredible magic that that when we align with nature, it's really something. Like we can align our period with the moon cycle. And nature conceives more um, the number of conception in nature happens more around the full moon than any other time of the moon cycle. And yet many women's cycles are out of sync with that. And I tried it. I did it. I was way off sync. And somebody said to me, you can do this. You can sync up with the moon. And I'm like, I'm thinking they're crazy. Totally. Like, what the hell are you talking so about? So when would you, you would bleed on the new moon? I would bleed. No, I, well, I was bleeding during the full moon. I mean, when's ideal. And I wanted to, you have to bleed during the new moon. So you're fertile in your, you're fertile during the full moon. Okay. Yeah. And how do you ideally? Yeah. Um, well, she's just, this was when I was just getting in touch with my energy work and my energy classes. And, um, this teacher just said, well, you, you, you forget that your mind is an arrow of creation and you just have to focus on where you want to be. And so she gave me the arrow, right? With that, with that piece of information, it changed my world. Cool. And that's the arrow I pass on to people, right? It's this thing that our thoughts, it's a really scary thing for people because they aren't used to having that much power. Yeah. And with that power comes responsibility and many people don't want to take that kind of responsibility for their life. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're told that like Jedis and witches are just like made up things. <laughs> it's like, no, no, they're real. No, it's actually who we came to be, but we're just cloaked in a lot of confusion. I, I want to try that. I've, I, I, rem- I, for years when I was going to Burning Man, I would, um, every day, like pray, 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 meditate on, um, getting my period a week early. Cause I would always be due the week at Burning Man and you know, no one wants to have their period out there. <laughs> and every year I did it every single year for one month out of the mm-hmm. 12 months, I manifested my period one week early every freaking time yeah. that I ever went out there. And yeah. so there obviously, yes. I, I mean, well, all I did was like, think about it a lot. Yes. And when you think about it a lot, it becomes what we call intention. Mm -hmm. And if you just say intention is prayer, it is prayer. So when you pray, you're setting an intention. I intend this. And we basically we're painting a picture, broadcasting that vision to the universe. The universe hears it and says, oh, she's she's wanting more of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's given asking it is given. But 
we don't think we have that kind of power, so we don't even ask. So how does that relate to fertility? Because like with a child, so, you know, where I'm at is I'm ready and my partner's ready. I have a very good idea of when I'm fertile, but I'm still obviously not in control. <laughs> I'm doing, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the right stuff. I'm calling it in. I'm thinking about it. I'm sending my prayers. I'm taking good care of myself. Um, you know, so it's a great question. Yeah, and this, this is really important too, because, um, there are a lot of people out there who, and this is an argument that I've been working with, with a client who is just really in resistance about law of attraction doesn't work around this, you know, and, and it's, I get what she's saying because that means that she's somehow responsible for her miscarriages. And, you know, and I'm like, no, this isn't what this is about. This is about just resetting the arrow to help yourself, whatever this is, there's something else going on asking more of you. And I always say, if you're asking more from life, life is going to ask more from you. And so wherever we've been pinched off, for example, from the flow of life in general, identifying for ourselves what fertility really means for us, mm -hmm. you know, it means for me, it means abundance, flow, alignment, light, it, because without light, nothing can grow. It means watering it with our intention. It means for me, life is love. If you do research on plants, you know, and you send love to one set of plants, they grow twice as tall as the ones who didn't receive anything. So intention, love, sending something, love really does land, even though we can't see it. And so we have to, we're, we're learning something all along the way here. I would say for you, Emily, you are an expanding conscious ball of light that's discovering more about herself as she takes her steps. And the vibration of whatever child you're calling in, there's probably more work that you're doing with that, learning that you can actually call in a soul that's actually aligned for you so that you're not struggling with this child all your life. Just choose <laughs> to say, I don't, it can be easy with this child. We're totally. partners. We're not fighting each other in this life. We're partners. Yeah. We're growing together. We're loving life together. But you have to tell your, you have to get clear about what that is. What, what is alignment for you? What would that look like? You well, know, it's, yeah, that's yeah. what I actually, I was thinking while you were talking about going back to that arrow analogy that actually all you did really, when you called in that arrow to, to set towards aligning with the full moon is just pull, aligning your compass to wellness, right? Yeah. And because once all that's all we can really do is call in our arrow and align to wellness and the rest is up to God, you know, the rest right. is, is the unknown. And so I think that's, that's really the work that I'm noticing right now about this, um, superficial level saying, well, I'm ready. I've checked off the boxes. Where's my baby? Right. And but, it's not actually that, like, I'm not really being like I that, know you saying, know, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like this superficial level of like, okay, well, I'm ready. So why don't I get it? You know, right. kind of thing. And right. actually the actual real work is tilting my compass towards wellness every day and every moment. And mm -hmm. then, and then, and then stopping and being quiet and hanging out in that space. And what happens in that space is to receive and let go and, and stay curious and, and see what happens. And I think that's why fertility work and conception work is, is some of the most vulnerable for people because it is that 
Like, oh yeah, you can. This is really life and death, right? You can't control these two portals, and we want to so fiercely. And it's it's also why birth work and, and death work are so interesting to me because in this controlled society, you know, when we're like hot, we turn the air on, and when we have a headache, we take ibuprofen. Like this is the only some of our only last spaces where we have to hold reverence for something bigger than us, you know? I love what you just said. It's true. It's the only times in our life where the veil is really thin Mm -hmm. and where we cannot deny that there is something else out there that exists that is bigger than us. Yeah. It's really humbling. It is. And especially for the smart, aware, powerful woman who is used to creating anything she's setting out to do, which is 90% of my clients, they, they suffer greatly because they're not seeing this come to fruition. And Mm -hmm. I say, it's not the traditional way of creating. It's a different way. And nature has her own teachings, her own set of teachings and the therapy that we would give ourselves if we just took ourselves in nature and sat for two hours, just laid there and watched everything go by. It's a whole thawing out of all of the layers of the stress responses built up in our bodies. And how, of course, where I go with it is when we're in stress mode, it's could, could have been going on all our lives, being in stress, chronic stress mode. But until fertility, we don't know, we don't know mm-hmm. until we try to have a baby if we're fertile or not. And so to prevent issues from arising, that's why college would be great to teach this because it's like, start now setting patterns in place where you're not in stress response mm-hmm. because stress response actually overrides the pathways of fertility. It takes over the pathways in the body and it smothers them. And so when we're in stress response, we're not in, we're in the, the Paris, uh, excuse me, we're in the sympathetic nervous system. And when we are, is that right? Oh God, did I get it right? I hope I did. I always, I haven't talked about it in a while, but when we're in relaxation response, the, the hormones can reset and the body actually can reset. And it's the parasympathetic, it relaxes the body, it calms down the stress hormone and the fertility pathways can take over again. But not only that, it's like the body, that's the only place where the body can heal itself is in the relaxation. How many women have we met that say like they, they got pregnant after doing a lot of meditation? Mm -hmm. It's like such a common thing that I hear. Yeah. Just putting themselves into the down regulation and Right. Or, you know, I know women hate to, to hear it and it triggers. It's a trigger. We were talking about triggers earlier. It's a trigger to say, don't, don't just fucking tell me to relax. But there's science behind that to, to really understand that we are responsible for, you know, not, it's not about checking a baby off a to-do list. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole connection. And fertility is a spiritual growth, growth path. Yeah. And that's where, that's my role in, in this whole big picture is mm-hmm. seeing it as a spiritual growth path to awaken and birth ourselves first so that we can really bring through the child that's meant for us. And ultimately at the end of the day, if we've really done the work, it's okay if the baby doesn't come at the end of all, and we've done everything we can. Yeah. It's actually okay because we get in touch with a higher purpose of something maybe 
something else that needs to be birthed or maybe heal yourself. Maybe we're here to adopt. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's plenty of children here on the planet. If I rise to my awareness to understand that there's a lot of children who need homes that maybe, maybe that's my calling. Well, that's the thing when you're, when you're in reverence to your path, it, it can look so many different ways. Spirit of a child is, um, that's meant to be with you can come through many different pathways. It it does not have anything to do with the DNA. And that's the, the piece I wanted to share too, is the awareness that we get to it's, it's really, that's the reward. That's the reward there. There is, there are souls that I have heard stories. I want my next book to be about the children who have the wisdom for us, like mouth of babes type of thing, where there's a four-year-old who just told her mother, she said, I knew that I couldn't come through you. So I came this way and, and I found my way to you, but I'm, I'm so glad that I found you mommy. And she's like, what are you talking about? She said, well, I knew that you were, you know, if, if you couldn't have me physically that you would adopt. And so I just made sure that I made my way to you. So these kids are doing the work on the other side, finding their way to us. We can call them in, but they're also calling us in. Mm -hmm. So when we do the meditation on connecting with the spirit of the child, there's information there that we can get to that can help us. And I'm sure you're doing that right now, which is very helpful, but we want to ask the right questions. Like, Like what what? do you, what do you want me to know Mm -hmm. right now? Your intention is already there to get connected and to work out whatever kinks are blocking your life hose type of thing, but go there with an open mind to say, tell me what I need to know today. And you'll be shown something. The child will give you an object. I always like to say, ask for an object that you can take back with you that will remind you that the child's with you and thinking about you and trying to to connect with you. People will see things like butterflies or hummingbirds or a yellow rock, you know, a dime, you know, so these are like random things, but they're earthly things. And and it helps trigger in a good way, the remembrance of the energetic connection. And then that energetic connection is really important, but yeah, uh, ask the question, what do I need to know today? And also, you know, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. What do you need? And what do you see for me in an ideal conception environment and you you'll be shown things but we have to be willing to and open to see that movie play out in our minds sure. when we do the meditation so no fear because the fear blocks the information from coming in totally yeah yeah and like moving out of your head yeah yep. and it and it, make, it makes Absolutely. me think about the many 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 years ago i was feeling kind of lonely and like worried if I was going to meet my partner. And so I did a meditation and I, it's funny cause I kind of asked these similar questions. I think I was like 22 or three. And, mm-hmm. um, and I started writing this love letter to my future husband. So I started writing these letters or I wrote this long letter. It was like, you know, I don't know, eight or nine pages. And, um, it was all like, you know, I don't know what you look like. I don't know your name, but I know what this feels like. And I know what it feels like to co-parent with you someday. And I just wrote him this whole love letter and I went on to have two long-term relationships. Um, and I never gave them the letter. I just knew that the letter wasn't for them. And this was a span over six years. And then, um, my, my now husband within like three weeks, I gave him the letter 
It was like right away. I gave him the letter and I was like, I wrote yes. you this like nine years ago. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Anyway, so so that brings me to the conception stuff that okay. I um have started doing that with my kids and just started to Good. write, you know, write to them and listen and you know, they've presented themselves in so many ways over the years and they come a lot in dreams and I've birthed them in my dreams and they've they told me their names consistently and God. So they've really created this like right. little family identity. Yeah. And I feel them with me all the time, constantly. And it's fun and it helps me not stress because I'm really open to that connection. Mm-hmm. I feel them and I mm-hmm. and I, I experience on a regular basis, I experience future memories with my husband of what it's gonna feel like when they're all in our bed or when they're, you know waking up or whatever. And it's like, I can taste it. I can like see it, even though in physical linear reality, it is not yet. It's, it's, you know, we like talk to them. Like we made this little altar for them on our fireplace and we'll just like talk to them. And, you know, it's like very fun and very playful and very light. Um, but it's like acknowledging their presence and acknowledging that they don't have to physically be here to be here. And that has been really soothing. Um, we're very new to the, to the opening of them physically coming. You know, I've only had one cycle of, um, being like, if you guys want to come now, you can, but you need to come separately. Um, (laughs) (laughs) please for the love of God. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that, that is helping, I think, and that, that would probably help anyone I imagine to allow that, that creative, you know, space of feeling connected to them before they're here. Um, and I, that really helped me previously when I was single or in bad relationships, I just kept, I would reread this letter and be like, I know that I wrote this letter to somebody and Mm -hmm. I know him and Mm -hmm. it was true. It just like happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally wrote you this letter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it helps, it helps keep me kind of in check and the spiritual realms, remembering that this isn't linear and that they're already here and, um, maybe they'll never take physical manifestation, but I feel them so deeply. I mean, it's, it's like very calming. Mm -hmm. Emily, you're, you're, you're opening to what you already know. If that makes sense, you're thawing out the amnesia (laughs) that kept you disconnected from what you already know. And to me, that's the whole journey. That's it. I mean, whether it's fertility or birth or right. create creation of a partner or business, it's, that's what it is. And it's, it's so powerful how we can call in the souls of our child, children that are aligned for us and sit with that and just be in the space of enjoying them now, because the, the more we feel the connection, if we feel the connection more than we feel the disconnection, mm-hmm. we're on the right track. You know, it's okay if we feel sad. It's okay if we yeah. feel off. It's, it's okay if we feel angry. It's not, that's not what this is about. About alignment means it has to be all perfect and rainbows and butterflies all the time. That's mm-hmm. not it. But if you're being in a space of connection with your children, but also connection with source, mm-hmm. connection with nature, connection with your body, connection yes. with your soul, all, the same, all really. the same, but connection seems to be the real answer mm-hmm. and let that unfold you, you know, forget about getting the mind into your to-do list. Mm-hmm. Just let go of that and just come back in here. Forget about your nutrients and foods you need to eat and all of that crap that breaks the, it breaks mm-hmm. 
it, 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 it like disassociates. It, it yeah. disassociates and it micromanages and mm. it makes you feel crazy. And it also, it, it diminishes the sacredness of the path itself. It, it actually perpetuates the disconnect, right? And it makes it feel like there's this checklist that you have to accomplish and then you'll just get a baby. Like it's a product. Yeah. You don't even realize it. Yeah. And it, this journey is, is really, it's, it, what did you say earlier? It was a, there are no guarantees. And even if, you know, we step into this place of connection and alignment, really being aware to be able to hold the possibility that it may never happen. Totally. You know, it, it may not ever happen. And well, who am I going to be in that? Who am I going to be in that? What am I really here to birth then? Yeah, I would be a foster mom. Yeah, totally. it's it's like you don't let it devastate you. Totally. You don't let it tear you down. It actually is just, well, am I going to hold a big enough space to say, all right, that's a possibility and I'm not going to crumble in it. Cause I mean, I that's, know, that's literally the yeah. difference of feeling grounded and trust in source or feeling like you need something outside. Exactly. I, I mean, that is the defining, like when you're grounded and trusted and, and you are in relationship with source, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's right. all good. You're right. always taken care of. You know, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to pretend that you know everything. And it's a constant dance. It's not like I'm there 24 seven, but, um, that returning, you know, consistently. And I love the image of the arrow because that totally is what it is. This like very real compass back to wellness and back to centrality, back to mm -hmm. neutrality, back, back to mm -hmm. remembering that we're the drop, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah, it just, it, it does. It makes it so much calmer and it also makes it so much more creative, right? Because yeah, if you don't think, yeah. you know, if you know that you don't know what it's going to look like, then your vision gets to pull back so much more and you get to be open to, you know, what's that quote? Um, thank you God for not giving me all the things I asked for. <laughs> yeah. I love well, mine so much. Mine's a little different. Mine's thank you God for what I have. Thank you God for what I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the idea of like, thank you for not doing the things I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, I actually didn't know, you yeah. know, it's fun. I anyway, love that. We, we oh do got to start to wrap up. Um, so for anyone listening who is in their conscious conception time or this, this conversation stimulated the idea that perhaps with their next child or first child or whatever, they would, um, lean into this idea. What would be some initial kind of just to leave us with like some initial first steps or for, first like action items that they could start to chew on or play with or meditate with. I mean, I, I heard you say mm. the meditation piece where they could, um, start to ask those questions to their children. Mm -hmm. Um, anything else to throw in the pot? Well, yeah, yeah. I would say start with um, if you're if you're really going to try to connect with your your child's spirit, the best and most you know the most clear way to do it is through the heart. So you know, just know that if you put your hand on your heart and a hand on the belly, that's automatically right there is mm -hmm. conscious conception because you're you're linking up to something that is inside of you where you're channeling loving energy toward what you're birthing. And to me, that's the first step because fear is not going to help you create. So never make any decision based on fear. 
Make it from love. So point the arrow toward how you can wrap love around the fear that's coming up for you and step into it anyway. Just step into it because fear is a place where we basically are hiding from our power. And when we step into the fear, we're actually stepping through the fire into the unknown, which we're going to find a whole realm of power in there for us. And it dissolves once we step into it. So if you're fearful of connecting with your child, which does come up because it's like, oh, I can't have that much power. I say, do it anyway. Show up. Write a letter to your child. Write a letter to your baby and say, wow, this is new for me. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this was really weird. I feel awkward. I am really just showing up because someone told me to. And then it starts to thaw out, right? Those kind of fighting thoughts will soften because you gave them a voice. You acknowledge them. And then they kind of rest. They're like, oh, okay, we're safe now. It's okay. And then you get to the deeper steps and you just start to say, you know, I really miss you. I love you. I feel sad. I feel grateful. I feel all these things. And yet I still know that in the womb of it all, I'm here for you. And I know that you're there and I can feel you. And I'm choosing to open that veil. I'm choosing to lift the veil, whatever that is, that's keeping me separate from you. I allow that to dissolve. I allow Mm. it to show up, bubble up and release. I don't know what that is. And I'm willing to be taught. I'm teachable. I'm, you know, I'm open and you just, you kind of flow. It's a stream Mm, of, of it's making me cry. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And there's also ways to look for your baby's song. Um, you, you feel like random songs on the radio. Imagine your child singing them to you. Oh, that's sweet. And, and really feel into that. How can you let that in? It's really a lot about letting it in, mm-hmm. letting, letting the universe send you little winks and nods saying, I hear you. I know, I know it's and, happening. And any fun little things around the actual conception time, like they've connected to their baby, they're um, ready to go and they want to conceive in consciousness, you know, and, and in, uh-huh. in readiness and, and awareness and all of that. Is there anything that you impart to your, your clients about, I don't know, fun stuff to yeah. do to set the space or. Yeah, that is really sweet. Yeah. Um, I have to laugh because this, this is tied to it. I was at a Ted talk. I'm, I produce, um, TEDx shows in Marin in, um, Northern nice. California. And when I was at a event, somebody asked what I did and I was just starting out, you know, and I was, I had no elevator pitch. I was kind of like caught like a deer in headlights. I'm like, <laughs> uh, and what blurted out was, Oh, I help couples get pregnant. Nice. You're like, <laughs> sexy. He, he goes, what do you do? Light yeah. the candles and pour the wine. Yeah, exactly. He literally said that to me. And I was like, that's funny. Oh man. And then I thought, okay, I got to work on my, my approach here. So, but in, in essence, with couples, what I suggest is, um, and this, this may or may not fit for people. So I don't have the the recipe, but really it's, it's about how to find your connection with your partner Mm -hmm. and that there's a energetic exchange that goes on a giving and receiving where you're literally merging with your partner. And, that creates a really powerful vortex, a really powerful, bright light. And the stories that have come from children about, well, how did you 
this is one of the things that I ask in meditation. How did you choose mommy? How did you find me? How, how, what, what, why are you choosing me? And the children that have come through and are like three and four and they can talk, they say things like, well, I just looked down through a window and I saw yours was the brightest heart, mommy. Oh my gosh. So I knew that that was you. And so they look for light. They look for the bright light and the light really is consciousness and love Mm -hmm. really. And so when you're connected to your partner, hold a light around you guys and connect it through the heart, open the door to the heart, let that door open down to the womb, let it be really big. So it connects both, but you're, you're literally opening the door to the ocean within your drop together. And if your child is coming from formless into form, you really want to just be that lighthouse for, for that child in love and in consciousness. And there's, you know, this is something about guys too. They're, they're all their life. Energetically, they've been holding back, like holding back, not getting a girl pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's about really releasing, really letting go. And for the woman, it's really about receiving and really connecting and letting our husbands in. So there's that real energetic. And so orgasming together is nature's way, right? When we orgasm, our muscles pull up the juices and really it's nature's way of saying, I'm going to help this sucker happen. Mm -hmm. And when we're, so when orgasm happens together, it's, it's much more powerful too. Um, I would light a candle, but you do it with intention where you say a little prayer together for the baby. This candle is lighting the way for our child to make its way to us. And you do, you both do it because the husband has to show up too, right? And this is big to be able to have to do this with your partner. It can be really kind of vulnerable and scary. And that's why you want to do it because that creates the bond, Sure, opens the door. So anything that you can do with prayer, anything you can do with just making an invocation, May the light of God open the door within me to allow this child through. Mm. I am ready. I allow whatever's not ready in me. Please make it ready. Heal it. Whatever's hidden from me, release it. Open the door. And you're really always just saying that. It's open. I allow myself to receive. And you feel it. You feel it inside. And it feels really good. It feels expansive. It feels warm and it just feels really nice. And that's the space we want to live in more often, not just in conception mode, sure. but in life, right? Yeah. But those are some things I would suggest. And anything you can do to create that intimacy, into me see, where you really see each other and you're both connected at the heart level, I say that's always a great way to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And if you, if you, um, if people want to get a hold of you or want to learn more about your work or um, reach out to you, how can they do that? Yeah. Um, how they can do that is I have a scheduling uh, app that's on my website. So the website is elizabethmanning.com and Elizabeth has an S instead of a Z. So it's elizabethmanning.com or I have a, a private 
Facebook group that is pretty happening. It's pretty fun. I really enjoy the light and the space that's being held there. And it's called Sacred Fertility, Mindfulness, Manifestation, and Miracles. And so it, it, yep, it offers, yes, you can PM me there or you can just join and be a part of that group. I mean, it doesn't have to be a private connection, uh, for you to get what you need. So, but I am available for coaching and I have a group class happening right now, but, um, it already started and it ends, you know, middle of June, but there would be time for people to get in depending on if they really felt like they wanted to be there. And we would talk about that and I would just probably, you know, fill them in as they called me and we'd talk in private about it. But yeah, that's available too. Elizabeth Manning, S no Z double N. (laughs) (laughs) Super simple. (laughs) Or just Google conscious conception and Elizabeth and all this stuff will come up articles and stuff like that. So (laughs) yeah, it was such a joy. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for all your wisdom and insight and yeah, so many good little tips and reminders and I love it. I love the message you carry in the world. Emily, thank you. Well, our philosophies are very similar and keep doing the work you're doing because your babies are coming very Mm -hmm. soon. I I think I know anyway. Yeah, they are (laughs) for sure. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.